Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Psalm 27, there's a fantastic uh, passage of Scripture that I want to share with you this morning. So I want you to focus and pay attention to the reading of the Word. In Psalm 27, 1, the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God is my light, God is my salvation, and God is the strength of my life. Pray with me. God, thank you for being all that and more. Thank you, God, for your spirit that lives inside us, God. Thank you for your presence. We've gathered in your name, and we welcome you into this place, and we thank you for gathering with us, God. I pray now that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us, Father. I pray you would anoint my mouth and my mind, God. Please strengthen my back, God, to the, where the focus would be on you and your word today, God. We exalt you. We magnify you. We thank you for salvation, healing, and deliverance, and I pray that you do your work your way in Jesus' name. Amen. God is my light, God is my salvation, and God is the strength of my life. Inside the next few verses that I'm going to read to you, uh, you are going to see phrases that have sprung forth songs, hymns, t-shirts, Christian merch, uh, phraseology, messages, books. But what I want you to do is I want you to find out where you are in relationship to where God wants you to be. How many people just believe already that we're not as far along as we should be? Uh, everybody else is like, uh, not me. I'm all that in a bag of chips. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like a two for a nickel butter cookie. No, everybody needs to grow. God said that his desire for us is to transition us from one level of glory to the next level of glory. So no matter where you are today, I want you to lock in and let God speak into your life. I love, anybody that knows me knows I love the Bible. Uh, the Bible is not just my favorite book. It, it, it's my favorite everything. And uh, I, I love the, the specificity of the Bible. I, I love that I know when I need to hear from God, I can just open up the covers. I've told you for years and years and years. I believe that God can speak to you through other people. I believe God can speak to you through uh, signs and wonders and dreams and visions. I believe God could speak to you through animals and clouds and stars and stop signs. I believe that God could speak to you through patterns in carpet and every other weird kind of way people want to say that they've heard from God. But I want to tell you what I believe more than anything. If you want to know the primary way that God speaks to you, I've, told, I've had people say, Pastor, I'm just not sure I hear God speak to you. What, what does it sound like? And some of y'all are already know let me let me show you and let me let you listen to what hearing from God sounds like you ready you hear that 
As you turn the pages in this book and you read what it says, you can be sure that you will hear from God. Because I can tell you this, that uh, the Lord spoke to me last night, Sister Nancy, and he told me that you need to repent. Maybe she does. Or maybe it was just that spicy, hot chili that nobody should have been. You might have had bad Chinese food. And listen, if you ate at Taco Bell, any Mexican establishment, Chinese food, hot wings, or bad pizza, you're liable to have any kind of vision you want to have. I guarantee you this, Crystal Burgers will give you a vision. <laughs> Crystal Burgers will give you a vision of what the inside of your bathroom looks like, but I'm going to keep moving. Because some of y'all, see, I'm just trying to get you to smile and be ready to receive the word of the Lord. Because when there's a resisting spirit in the room, the, the God that's in me is stronger than the devil that's in you. <laughs> I'm telling you what I know. But the, the Bible is such a cool book, uh, and it allows us to look into the lives of people that were close to God, that were distant from God, that loved God, that hated God. And that's why I tell you all the time that we should pay attention to the Bible because it says of itself that we have these stories for our what? For our examples so that we can learn from them. And one of the examples, and it's not just me, I think most people that read the Bible that follow Christ uh, at, at some point uh, f just fall in love with King David just think David's one of the coolest uh, characters in the Bible. He's so, he's so relatable. Anybody want to take a quick guess at why he's so relatable? Because he just messes up so much. He, listen, David, was, was, he was great and ragged all at the same time. He was holy and sinful. He was a success and a failure. He was God's man, a mighty warrior, and he was a coward hiding in a cave all in, in one lifetime. And I want to tell you something. That's the life of a believer. That, that's why I always, you, you, you want to you get, get a check mark in my mind? You, you want to get a red flag go up in me? You want me I'll, I'll say it more spiritual so the deep people in the room can get it. If you want me to have, get a real spirit of discernment about you, Go ahead and tell me that you're always up and never down. Go ahead and tell me that every day of your life is the best day of your life. Go ahead and tell me that you haven't had a struggle or a strain since you accepted Jesus and that you're just walking on sunshine every minute of your life. And I'm, I'm going to say, hmm, might better watch that one because they lie and don't know they lie. But... The life of a believer, it has ups and downs. And that's why I tell you all the time, on good days, bad days, happy days, and sad days, God is still worthy. If you only serve God on your good days, that's not enough. If you only reach for God when you're desperate, that's not enough. If you only, if you only love God when the sun is shining, that is not enough. And we see in the life of David a man who went through ups and downs, success and failure, good things and bad things, greatness and horror. Uh, but through it all, he kept his eyes on God. In his 1859 novel, A Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens wrote this, and, and, and you're going to know it as, as soon as I start to say it. It was the best of times, 
And it was the worst of times. That's 1859. He was talking about London and Paris in 1859 around the French Revolution. But whether it was 1859, 1959, 59, 59 before uh, Christ, 2059 before Christ, anywhere in between. Listen, it's always been the best of times and worst of times, depending on who you talk to. It's always been the best of times, depending on what kind of day you're having. And everybody in this room, if, if you really put enough thought into it, you could tell your story. I, I, I just pick on Uncle Ken. Uncle Ken could tell his story and make it sound like God had been so good and so great to him, and he's just the most blessed man to ever live. Or he could tell his story and, and, and just, woe is me, gloom, despair. I went through so much in my life. And, and it, a lot of it's just perspective. You can have the exact same story look like it was awesome or the exact same story look like it was horrible. That's why I tell you, your test comes to build your testimony and, and you can let hardship make you bitter or you can let it make you what? Better. And that's just the bottom line. And so it's not new. I mean, Charles Dickens made a lot of money on that book, um, but it, it's not something new to him. It wasn't new in 1859, but it's still relevant today. We live in that same kind of time now. He talked about it was an age of enlightenment and horror. Uh, it, it was an age of wisdom and folly. It was an age of righteousness and evil. And we've got all that. It's going to go like that. It's been going like that forever. But it just seems like, and, and hear me good, young people, you won't catch this, but you can maybe remember it. The older you get, the more the hard times look hard. The, the older you get, the more the nation looks bad. The older you get, the more you see, wow, we're not where we used to be. And I said it for years. I, I mean, if, if you're anywhere near my age, I'm 57 years old, and I lived through that transitionary period. I, I lived through the happy days time to, to the, uh, I lived from Ozzy and Harriet to Ozzy Osbourne's reality show. I mean, anybody in that age group? Uh, and I, I, I remember when uh, I was growing up, they talked about, uh, the Ed Sullivan show and how they had to film Elvis Presley from the waist up because he was so vulgar, just scandalous. You couldn't put him on television. Man had a guitar covering every part of his body that could be scandalous, and, but they, they had to film him from, from the chest up because he was actually doing this. And they, that's just, that's, man, uh, I, I've, I've seen America go from that being vulgar to what goes on on BET, VH1, and MTV right now, or the Super Bowl halftime extravaganza, and I'm like, whoo, do you know grandmama would have swallowed her dentures? Here, here's Christian for uh, not wanting to admit that they were backsliding and participating in evil. Pastor, I was flipping through the channels last night. That's code for you was watching something nasty. I was flipping through the channels last night when I just happened, only for a second, didn't stay there long, just kind of breezed past it, but it came through. That's code for I sat there and watched two hours of it. Uh, and, 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 and talk about what you see. Grandmama would have freaked out. My best grandmother story is legit and for real, and many of you have heard it before, but it just gives you a contrast about the different level of morality in America now versus just a few decades ago. My grandmother in the 60s slapped somebody at her, at her table in the mouth for saying the word pregnant. 
True story. Talking about somebody up the street. He said, oh, uh, so-and-so's daughter is pregnant. Bam! She said, don't you be fast in my house, boy. I still don't know what being fast, how, how he was being fast because he was sitting down eating with the rest of us. Uh, but you had to say, you couldn't say pregnant. That's just vulgar. That's street talk. That's, that, that's nasty language to my, to my grandma. She said, you don't say that vulgar thing at my table, boy. She, you don't say that word in front of me. I got Christian ears. You don't talk like that at my table. You say that that, that sister is in the family way. I'm like, I'm glad he didn't say she knocked up. <laughs> he might have got smooth knocked out. But we've gone from there to here. And listen, I don't know how much further we can go. I really don't. I mean, what else are they going to show on television? Have you seen what passes for horror movies right now? I mean, I'm wondering if people are really dying in these movies. I mean, it's so gross and, 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 and so gory, and I don't watch them. I've told you all my story. When, when we go to the movies with my kids, my kids are 16, 19 years old, uh, and still to this day, when we go to a movie to see a movie and they put on a trailer or of a horror movie, we duck our head and cover our ears. I'm not trying to hear any of that stuff. Listen, most of you are like me. You got enough junk in your head already. You don't need the next trailer. You don't need a 45-second horror clip in your mind. But... We, we, we live in this time of difficulty. We live in this time of great enlightenment. We live in this time of information age. We live in this time where everything is accessible. And listen, all these things can be good or bad. I know preachers that think the Internet is horrible and you shouldn't have it in your house because it's evil. I, I do the majority of my Bible reading on the Internet. Uh, the, the Internet is awesome for me. And if you get on blueletterbible.com, you'll never figure out a way to get off of that because it'll just keep you there, amen, forever. Uh, but... It's good, it's bad. It's just how you look at it, and sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. But we live in that kind of time now. David lived in that kind of time then, and that's why I want you to understand first thing today is that God's Word is still relevant. I have people tell me that I'm preaching a a book that's thousands of years old that, that, that no longer relevant in life and people think culturally that the Bible is outdated and out of flavor. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you're a Puritan, a Quaker, or Flavor Flav. The Bible will always be in style. The Bible will always be relevant. And the Bible is relevant for us today. We're going to go through Psalm 27 and I'm just going to pluck out some things. I'm just, I'm just going to do what I believe God anointed me to do and put me on this planet to do. I told you many times that when I first came into ministry in the early 80s, uh, I read that the Bible says that Ezra stood up to read the scripture. And uh, uh, I'll say it the way, the way you, you, you'd like to look at it, that, that the priest uh, read the word and caused it to make sense. I've always wanted to be able to read the word of God and give the sense to it. You ought to be in a church where somebody teaches the Bible and you leave knowing what you learn. Because there's lots of great orators out there. There's lots of great churches. And many of us came from churches like that. And you know you've been in churches where people left and stood in the parking lot. Well, woo, wasn't pastor. Oh, pastor was preaching today. We was on fire. Oh, pastor was preaching. And somebody walked by and said, well, what did he preach about? Oh, no, but he was preaching. That's not ministry. That's showmanship. That, that's church anity. That's not Christianity. The Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. Let's get some 
understanding. Uh, in verse 1 of Psalm 27, David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. You always want to read between the punctuation. When you see punctuation, pause on the punctuation. It'll help you understand. Break the Bible down in bite-sized pieces so you can digest it and get it into your spirit. The Lord is my light and my salvation. You got to make God personal to you. Too many people, I ask people all the time, number one question I ask people, not where do you go to church. Now, if I meet somebody who used to come here, that's the first thing I'm going to ask them, where you been going to church? Uh, and I, I encourage you to do the same thing. But when I talk to people that I don't know, I don't ask them where they go to church. I ask them, are you born again? And so many times I hear people's response is, oh, my daddy helped lay the cornerstone on the big church downtown. My mama was a prophetess at West Jack's Church of God in Christ on Sunday morning by the side of the river, baptized in Jesus' name only, incorporated by all saints on Sunday. I didn't ask you what your great-grandmother did. I said, are you born again? Too many people think they're going to ride mama, grandmama, prophetess, priest, bishop, apostle, auntie, uncle, coattails to get into heaven. Listen, there's only one coattails you can ride into heaven, and you weren't biologically related to them when you came into this earth. But if you're trying any other way to get to heaven than Jesus Christ and him alone, you're not going to make it. You got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter how much Bible you know, doesn't matter how much words you got in you, doesn't matter how gifted, how anointed you are. You got to be able to say with David that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, I want you to think about what type of time frame David was living in. Did they have um, 40 watt bulbs in David's day and age, or just 60 watt? Did they have the soft light bulbs with, with him or just the, the LEDs? What, what? They, had, they didn't have that kind of light. It was dark a lot of places. And listen, in darkness, I don't care who you are and how rough and, 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 and ready you are. If it gets dark and houses start creaking, everybody gets to woo-woos. Hey, you, you start living in a dark world, grown folk wish for a night light. I, I, almost, I almost titled this message, God is my nightlight. Isn't that right? Hey, people get scared of the dark because bad things happen in the dark. And you can't see it coming. And you don't know who's out there plotting your demise. And, and David lived in a time of overthrow. David lived in a time of violence. He lived in a time of animal attack. He lived in, in, in a time of, of just murder on a daily basis. And he said, the Lord is my light. I, I can see because I got God. I feel comfort because I have God. I feel protected. You know, think about your little kid. that, that You tuck them in, say prayers with them. You walk out of the room, and they say, can you turn my nightlight on? Can you turn on my nightlight? Ava, can you turn on my nightlight? And, and listen, why? They just want a little bit of comfort. They, 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 just want, they just want to feel good. They just want to know it's going to be all right. And listen, let me, let me tell you something. Here's the thing. Hey, if the boogeyman's coming to get you, you'd rather not see it. Just keep your eyes closed and stay in the dark. But God wants to be your comfort. He wants to be the light in your life. He wants to be the guiding light in your life. He wants to be the protection. He, he wants to draw you to 
him. And David had a personal relationship with the Lord. And what I want to start by asking you this morning is, do you know that you know that you have a personal relationship with the Lord? Are you sure that you're sure that you're born again? Because church membership won't get you into heaven. And no matter what you think about theology, one day we're all going to stand before God and we're going to be judged by a holy God. And you're either going to get let in or you're going to get sent down. There's only one or two places to go. And when you get there, it's going to be too late to change your mind at that point. David had a personal relationship with God. And, he, and, and then he asked a rhetorical question, whom shall I fear? Well, I'd love to have been David's uh, flunky. I'd love to have been his lackey. I'd love, especially if he liked me and, and let me speak a little bit to him, because, you know, back then they, they can't have you killed just for talking to him. But I, I'd love to have been whispering in David's ear, where's all that boldness now, bruh? <laughs> Here's this dude talking about uh, God is my everything. Who, 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 who should I fear? Uh, well, your knees are knocking and you're hiding in a cave. Look like you're fearing your, 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 one, one of your young children right now. But here's the reality. When your mind is on right, when you're focused on God, there is a confidence that comes from having a personal relationship with God. So if you ever find fear in your life, if you ever find anxiety in your life, if you ever find mental unrest in your life, I want you to, number one, uh, this is only good for saved people. If you know you're saved, I want you to remember this. God is on my side. Do what you want to do. God is on my side. Do whatever comes my way. God is on my side. That's what he means. Whom shall I fear? It's not to say he never got scared. He got scared. You can read there were times when he was super courageous, and there were times when he was super coward. But you got to get your mind on right, believer, and you got to understand God is my salvation. I'm not saved because I do good things, and neither are you. Good works can't get you saved. Coming to church can't get you saved. Serving in ministry can't get you saved. Putting money in an offering bucket can't get you saved. Working with children in a nursery can't get you saved. The only thing that can get you saved is the Savior. He said, God is my salvation. He went on to say, the Lord is the strength of my life. Paul's on that punctuation right there. Now, many times the Lord was the strength of his life. And if you study the life of David, you'll find out when God finally put him out, when David finally did it, when God finally decided that's enough, time for you to step down, time for you, you to be done, it wasn't because he was a whoremonger. He'd always been a whoremonger. It wasn't because he wasn't on, a, on, a, on, on, on his fifth wife or his sixth wife or his seventh wife. He had at least eight wives that we know about. It wasn't because his family was raggedy. We know his family was filled with incest, murder, whoremongering, and adultery. It, it wasn't because he wasn't a perfect person. It, but through all that, God kept loving David and kept using David, kept anointing David because he always leaned on God. He always trusted God. But then at the end of his life, when he was about to fight a battle that he wasn't sure that he could win, instead of doing what he always did like he did against the, the giant and just trusting that uh, I come in the name of the Lord, he asked his people, he said, hey, man, Go count up how many soldiers we got because this old army over there, they're kind of big. He used to go in on the regular and in the power of God whip people that outnumbered him 100 to 1. But this last time in his life, he didn't, he didn't have that confidence in God. And, and, and God said, because you numbered the people, it wasn't wrong to count how many he had. It was wrong to put his confidence in human ability. And he, here's the thing. 
God wants to be the strength of your life. And if you can stay in that mindset, God is my strength. Then you're going to have people coming up to you asking you, how in the world did you ever get through that? How in the world were you ever able to do that? you got to learn how to let God be your strength because here's the reality. Every day you've got a choice to make. You can let God be your strength today or you can be your own strength. You can let God be your strength or you can rely on personal ability. The Bible says God can be your strength. And right now in this time in David's life, God was his strength. And so he comes right back with another rhetorical question, of whom shall I be afraid? Listen, when you realize everything that God is, fear just leaves your life. When you realize how great God is and how much he loves you, you don't have anything to be fearful of. Verse 2, he said, when the wicked came against me, To eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. So now he's doing something that we all need to do. The Bible says we have these stories for our examples. If you do what others did, you can have what they had. David had intimacy with God. David had uh, favor with God. And David is recalling right now times where the enemy came against him to kill him that they stumbled and fell. Now, I'm not going to be real teachy and get into the Hebrew word, but if you ever really want to study this verse, I want you to look at the word surrounding our English word, they, because it's an emphatic word. It's a word that stands out from the text, and commentators make much about this word, they, because, look, it's capitalized even even in our English Bible to, to draw attention to it. You don't capitalize a word after a comma on a regular basis. They. He's drawing in. They is, as opposed to who? Me. They fell, not me. They fell. When they came against me, they fell. When, when they tried to eat up my flesh, they fell. When they wanted to destroy my life, they fell. I want to tell you something. You come against God's people, you got a stumble coming. Be careful, hater. You're out there pouring hater aid. You're out there just trashing God's people. You're out there talking bad about everybody you can put your mouth on. You, you just made yourself a they. I want to be a we. I want to be a we. I don't want to be a they. They fall. Verse 3 says, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me in this I will be confident. Look at, look at the first part. He says, though an army may encamp against me. Now, if we say that right now, we're just being dramatic. We, we just, we're just using hyperbole. We, we're just exaggerating. If we say, as an army against me, uh, eh, there might be a few people against you, but are they really an army? No, we're being figurative. David was being literal. There were many times that armies came against him. There were many times that David was on the battlefield and uh, people were coming against him. And this is why he's recalling parts of his own testimony. He's giving God credit for things that God's gotten you through. And we need to learn how to remember our stories about when people rose up against us and we could have failed, but God kept us up. We need to remember our stories about when things were hard for us, but God got us through. Because the more you brag on God, the more he's going to give you to brag on him about. So David goes into his, I'm bragging on God's speech right now because he had plenty of armies come against him. But because his confidence at that time was not in his fighting ability, was not in his people's ability, his confidence was in his relationship with a holy God. He said, I don't care how big your army is, my heart is not going to fear. He said, the war may rise against. If we say that, we're just being dramatic. 
They're warring against me, Pastor. Oh, what, somebody had your parking space? Well, my boss is warring against me. Uh, what, she told you don't be late again? My, my bank, my bank, my bank is, is warring against my fire. Oh, you bounced another check because you didn't have money in the bank? Listen, he, he had real war rising against him. But he said, in this, I will be confident. Now, it's a little tricky, expositorily, where, where he's saying, in this, I will be confident. We understand the Bible is a contextual-based book, and you have to have context for it. And verse 3 is building off verse 2, but it's also building off verse 1. What he's saying that he is confident in, his declaration of confidence is the title of this morning's message, God is my light. God is my salvation. God is the strength of my life. He's going all the way back to verse 1 to say, I am confident in that. And if you don't hear anything else I have to say today, I want you to hear this. Start believing that God is your everything. Start believing that he's your protector. He's your healer. He's your savior. He's your deliverer. He's the light of your life. He's your salvation. He is your, David said, man, I, I've been in wars. I've been in battles. Hey, listen, he'd been in real hardship. He had animals, ferocious animals come against him. He killed the lion and the bear and the giant. He fought armies bigger than him. We, we, listen, we, we feel all oppressed and come against because somebody, if they don't laugh at our joke, we just, they hate me. I don't know how people got so weak in 2020. We talk about snowflakes and easily triggered folk. We got microaggressions, a microaggression. Oh, because I didn't brag about how, how cute your outfit looked today. I microaggress. A microaggression is, is made up. It's just something that doesn't even exist. It's like I felt threatened. I, I, I felt oppressed. I, I felt challenged. I, I, I felt, listen, if somebody walks by, here, here's what we have to deal with in church in 2020. If somebody walks by you and, 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 and just keeps walking to their car without stopping talking to you, shaking your hand, telling you how awesome you are, mm, Mr. C walked by me, didn't even, shake, didn't even look at me, rolled his eyes. Maybe he had something in his eye. Maybe he just got a call and he's going somewhere. We, we just, these imaginary aggressions stop being so easily triggered by nothing. David had real stuff going on in his life. He had people coming against him to kill him. He had uh, the Wizard of Oz in real life. He had lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. He had stuff that was real to destroy him. But, but he said this, man, I got this one thing I'm confident in. I, this, this is the thing I'm confident in when, when all the rest of the world turns upside down. God is still my Savior. He's my light. He's the strength of my life. Verse 5 says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Oh, man. If I felt preachy this morning, this is the section where the preaching comes in. This, 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 this is the section where, where, see, because there's enough people in here that have been in church for a while uh, that we, we could get people standing up clapping right now if I really wanted just to remind people that he is a shelter in the time of a storm. He is your defense and your battle axe. He is, he is the one that sticks closer to a brother. He, is the, he, is the, he will hide you in the shadow of his wing. He will put you in the cleft, and, and people get excited. You know why? Because they lived through times where they needed 
to be in a secret place of his tabernacle. They lived in times where, 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 where they knew God was hiding them so trouble would pass them by. If you hadn't figured it out yet, let me let you know real clear today. God has been better to you than you've been to him. God has been better to us than we deserve. David said, oh, man, when the time of trouble came, I just know. If I can't win, God will hide me because he's always taking care of me. Let your confidence be in God. He said, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He will set me high upon a rock. Now, we talk about these things. He picked me up out of miry clay, set my feet on a solid rock. We sing songs about that. We gloss over that. But David was a warrior. David was a warrior. My kids lived their whole lives never seeing a Star Wars movie because I've never seen a Star Wars movie. 57 years old, never sat down and watched a Star Don't faint, Rick. I don't want to offend anybody in the room. Uh, but all this time, what, about a year ago? When did you go super nerd? When quarantine happened, my 19-year-old who's going in the Marines, don't well, there'll be Marine nerds too, going in the Marines, uh, started to decide he's just going to sit down and watch all of them. 35 times each. Every day. All day. All night, tomorrow, next week, and the week after, Star Wars. Dad, 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 you got to watch this scene right here. What you watching? Star Wars. Which one? Oh, episode, and, and it's so retarded because he always tries to explain it to me, and he knows I'm old and I don't remember. It's like, because, well, it, it's the fifth one that came out, Dad, but actually it, it's, it's, the, it's the, where, I'm going to say it wrong, and, you know, Rick's going to have a message for me. It's the fifth one, it, it, it's, and it's second in it. Rick's already telling. I'm just making it up. Rick knows off the top of his head. It, it's, it's the fifth one that came out, but it's the second one in chronology. And, and he, he called me. I don't even know what movie. Jake might remember, might not. Uh, now that I called him out in front of the whole church, uh, Rick might remember. Some of y'all Star Wars nerds out there. Uh, one time, one of them was fighting the other one, and he told him, give it up. I have the higher ground. Anybody know who that was? Obi-Wan said that too. Give it up, Anakin. You can't win. Why? Because I have what? The higher ground. Warriors understand the higher position is, is, is the safer position. It's the position that you win from. So when David said, and I'm teaching y'all something about Star Wars, Obi-Wan, and all those other nerds, uh, and warfare. When David said, he shall set me upon a high rock, he meant, man, I'm be in a place where I can beat them all up. They can't mess with me. I got the higher ground. Got the advantage. If you haven't lived close to God long enough to feel blessed, if you haven't lived close to God long enough to realize I'm on, I'm on higher ground here, I'm on a position these people can't even understand. I got the advantage. I, they, they think they're winning. They don't even know the game. I'm all up here by myself with God. I'm on a high rock. Get your mind right in God. And he'll put you on a high rock. Verse 6 says, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. 
<laughs> now, here's the thing about David. This is funny to me. And, and if, if you don't know a lot about the Bible, I'm just trying to hit on some things. I'm just trying to pull some things out today just to get you in love with God uh, and, and show you how great his word is. He said, my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. There's so much context in there. There's so many different things in there. When, when people were depressed in that time, contextually, they, they would hang their heads down. And David would say stuff like, why is my head hung low? Why is my head bowed down? When they were feeling themselves, they would, they would stand up and they would lift their head up tall because they were excited about God. We still see that in people today. You can see depression in people with their head hung low. And he said that, and now, now, say now. You need to get to your now. You need to get to your now place. You need to get to your now where you've had battles, where you've had enemies, where you've had oppressors, where you've had hardship, but you saw God come through, and you are in a now moment. You get to choose if today is your now moment. The Bible says weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I like what one person said. You don't have to wait till tomorrow to get to your joy morning spot. Morning for the believer is any time you open your eyes and wake up to the reality. I'm in my now season I'm in my God spot and he said now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me so you got that whole uh, I've been depressed but now I'm confident I've been uh, beat down but now I'm feeling good in God but you also got to realize this contextually David wasn't a big dude stature wise David never walked into a room where his head was lifted up uh, by the enemies all around him. And think about who David first had to do battle with. Who was the man coming after David's life consistently, even though all David ever did was play a harp for him, love him, try to fix his headache? And Saul was what? Head and shoulders above everybody. Saul was six inches taller than every other person in the entire country. Saul was big and bad and rough and tumble. Here come little old short, tiny, no muscle having, but God loving David. And, and, and God sets him up to, to be the king after the tall man. And here David's saying, hey, now my head's lifted up above everybody. He wasn't any taller in the natural. But he felt 10 foot tall and bulletproof in the spirit realm. And I want you to get to the place where you feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof, not because you're somebody. That's a lie of the mega church telling people how awesome they are and how great they are and how much they can do. Listen, we don't come together to talk about how great we are. Our confidence is in God. God is the only one worth praising. God is the only one worth great. But when you get to your now spot, David said, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. You don't have to feel beat down and low around the people that despise you if you're walking in your now spot. You don't have to feel like they're stronger than you if you're walking in your now spot. They may be bigger than you. What, what did the 12, spy, uh, the, the 12 spies go out and say? Ten of them came back and had a bad report. How many had a good report? I just gave you the math. Ten of them came out when they said, can we overtake the land? Ten of them were like, mm, uh-uh. it's giants over there. We look like grasshoppers next to them. These big old swole jokers over there, they're, they're corn-fed country strong. We ain't trying to fight these people. What, 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 what did Caleb and Joshua say? 
We are well able. Why? Because of God. If you're in your now spot, you need to get a well-able mindset. I'm well able to do everything God called me to do. I'm well able to walk in all of my destiny. I'm well able because God lives inside. He said, and now my head shall be lifted up. Y'all look at David and call him short. They look at David and call him unable. He said, what about me now? He knew what God had done in his life. You need to get to the place where God's done something in your life. He said, therefore. I told you for years, anytime you see the word therefore or wherefore, you need to stop and consider what? What it's there for. Therefore means because of what I just said. Because of what you just read. Because of all that. He said, therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle, I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Oh, they ought to open every praise and worship service with this right here. Because this is the lie of 90% of church folk. Can't walk in this promise, most people. Because even when we have songs picked out, rehearsed for you to sing, most people You ever seen them like that, Judy? You ever seen them like that, Deacon Kent? He's my everything. The Scripture shows us the right way to live. The Scripture shows us what others did to get their mind right with God. David said, because of all that... I'm going to offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Some of y'all need to remind yourself when you get out of your car and you walk into this building, this is the house of the Lord and God meets his people here. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Yes, you do. You don't have to go to church to get to heaven, but Jesus went to church. If you want to be a Christian, if you want to be like Christ, you got to do what he did. He went to church. Mm, I don't have to go to church to to worship God. No, you don't. Oh, I told y'all. I have people tell me all the time, I can worship God on the boat. I can worship God fishing. I can worship God at the cabin looking up at the stars. I can worship God looking at a sunrise. Yeah, you can, but do you? Think about that next time you lay out of church for three weeks. Pastor, why are you always trying to run people? Listen, if I run you off, you wasn't meant to be here. <laughs> if, if you don't feel like God wants you here, you know, that, 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 two, two, that two driveways, both of them lead out. He said, because God's been good to me, I'm going to offer sacrifices of, I hate being here Sing me happy. Pre- no, we got people coming to church waiting on somebody to sing them happy, waiting on somebody to preach them happy. David said, man, because of everything God done for me, I'm bringing joy with me. I got an offering with me when I come. I already got my check made out. I already got my praise on. I've been listening to God all. I'm coming to sing. I'm coming to shout. I'm going to say amen if you don't say nothing good all day. We're over in America. We got too many great preachers in America. 
People in this room sat under too many great ministries in America where the pastor could preach the paint off the wall, where the worship leader could sing heaven down, and folk didn't get excited until they felt goosebumps. You ought to bring your goosebumps in with you. You ought to make a decision like David. God's my salvation. I'm going to worship him when I come to church today. I don't care what they sing. I don't care how off key they are. I don't care how bad they mess up the timing. I don't care what the song, if I don't like it, I am going to bring joy into the church. Then he said this. He said, I will sing. What if I just walked around during the praise and worship and just put the microphone in your mouth? Not long. We don't want to hear you, but just to see if you will sing. So I got a question for you today from God. Will you sing? Will, will, will you bring an offering of joy when you come to church? And will you sing? Most people, no matter what they say, won't. Well, you know, I'm not as much of a singer. God didn't say you have to sound good. He just said sing. Let me tell you something I know. My voice is unique. You'll never forget my voice. My mannerisms are unique. You never met anybody like me. My voice is so unique. You remember Kelly Knowlton? She had a twin, Keith, Kelly and Keith Knowlton. We went to school with them. Uh, we, I, I was into Chick-fil-A in Fleming Island, and I was talking to somebody, and I saw somebody else, Scott Becker, and this girl stood up, had her back to me. I hadn't seen this girl. I'm out of school uh, 39 years it's this, I haven't seen this girl in over 40 years. She heard my voice, and it stuck in her head. Now, i got to believe that's because she hated the sound of my voice. <laughs> I catch this everywhere I go. Me and my kids travel a lot. I have businesses outside the church. We travel a lot, and I catch this everywhere. Where are you from? Now, I understand when they say that, they're not concerned with geography. They're not really concerned with where I live they're just wondering, where in the world did you get to talking like that? What kind of backwards hayseed hillbilly farm did you crawl out from under? We had, you remember the guy in North Carolina on the dock? This old, this old inbred country bumpkin, he, he looked at me, he said, where are you from, boy? I said, Jacksonville, Florida. No, you, 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 you sound way too uneducated for that. That a deep country, southern voice you got. You, you got to be from Georgia. I'm thinking, you're from the hills of North Carolina, Bubba. You're over here mocking me? And listen, I don't mind being southern. I, 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 hey, I'm American by birth, southern by the grace of God. If you don't believe that, you can go back to where you came from. Ouch. All, all, the, all the people, I will move back to Minnesota. You can't go. I'm talking about other people from Minnesota. I, take me a minute to figure out where I'm at. <laughs> Once I feel all that hate coming from y'all. I got to put on my Superman. That's Jesus. My voice is unique. It's different. I'm, I'm, I'm as country as a turnip green. And I don't sing well. I'm not a singer. But I found this out, 
And I, I, I can tell you stories. I wouldn't tell them in front of my kids because they ain't none of their business. But uh, come to man up, we'll, 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 we'll reminisce. Uh, women who have cared about me love when I sing to them. You know why? It's not because I sing any better. I don't sing better just because I'm alone with, with, with a woman who cares about me. Why, why do they like it when I sing to them? Because they like me. If somebody loves, listen, doesn't matter. If he can't sing at all, but he's trying to pour his love out on you, somebody that loves you will accept your song. Do you hear what I'm saying? God didn't say you got to have good tonality. God didn't say you got to be able to sing like, like whatever your favorite singer is. But here's what he did say. I will sing. Not only did he stop. He didn't stop there. Not only did he say that, he threw another word in there. Yes. Well, I just ought to walk around just during praise and worship and just look at you. Yes. Yes. Yes, he needs to. God wants to hear him. God loves you, and he wants to hear you lift up your voice and sing. He wants you to open your mouth and sing love songs to him. He wants to, no matter how bad your voice is, God wants you. He said, I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Man, I remember when I first got saved, Amy Grant was all the rage. And she sang this song where, where in, in the middle of it, it said, sing your praise to the Lord. Come on, everybody. Stand up and sing one more. Hallelujah. Sing, and sing your praise. Do, are, are, you, are you singing any praise to God? Or are, you, are you singing any good thing to God? If you don't, let me tell you something. Your spirituality is no good. You're hard. You're edgy. You're, on, you're, 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 you're tense. You don't relate well to people. You, 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 might, you might have all the right words, but they just don't always come out right. You start singing to God. You start becoming a worshiper. You start falling in love with God. You start singing praises to God and watch how heaven opens up over you in a different kind of way. Verse 7 says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. David goes into us praying right now. I'm going to read fast, listen fast. Verse 8, he said, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. I want to tell you something. God has commanded every child of his to seek his face. What does your heart say to that command? God said to seek his face. What do you say in return? The appropriate response is, Your face, Lord. I will seek. You got to seek God. Verse 9, he said, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Don't leave me or forsake me, O God, of my salvation. David is crying out to God saying, you did it before, God. I need you to do it again. If you love God long enough, you ought to be able to look back at what he did for you before and say, oh, he got me out of the jam last time. He's going to get me out again. The God that saved me then is still saving me now. The God that loved me then is still loving me now. The God that was able then, he's still able now. And in verse 10, listen to this. It's a verse that's been quoted much, but it hadn't been understood much. Psalm 27.10 says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. When my father and my mother forsake me, comma, Always pause on the punctuation. It will perfect your understanding. When my father and my mother 
forsake me. Here is the meaning. The last person on this planet that is likely to forsake you is mama. The last person, listen, the last person whose love for you is going to dry up is daddy. When if daddy, if, if life is so bad and you are so low and you are so cast out and you've done so much wrong and everybody, including your mother and your father, have given up on you. Listen, at that point, all human kindness is shut down. They, they, once mama and daddy just, I'm done with you. That's a rough spot to be in. That's a rough spot to be in. But David said, look, if the whole world, including my mom and my daddy, don't love me, I know this one thing. I'm confident this one thing. The Lord will take care of me. Well, Pastor Scott, I just wish, I just wish, you know, I just wish I grew up in a better neighborhood. I just wish I could raise my kids in a better environment. I just wish, I just wish, I just wish, I just, listen, no matter what's going on, our hope should be in the Lord. If you get to this David spot in your life, it's a hard spot to get into. And it only, you only get there through lots of adversity. You only get there through lots of wars. You only get there through lots of scars. And it ain't always bitter, but it can sound bitter. When you really get to the spot where you're like, I ain't studying them. Let's clean that up for people on this side of the room. What I said is, I am not studying those people. What it means is, I'm not giving a lot of mental thought to what they think about me. When you get to the place in your life where you can truly say, man, I ain't studying them. I ain't worried about them. I don't care what they think. I don't care what you, your mama, your grandmother thinks about me. I don't care what you got in your mind about me. Listen, I'm not advocating Tupac or, or any of his lifestyle, but he did say something right in his lifetime before he moved off into, onto an island because he ain't dead yet. Before he moved off onto an island and still writing music, Tupac told the world, only God can judge me. And you get to the place in your life when you realize that, pff, turn your back on me if you want. Some of y'all just get devastated. And I've been there. Listen, if you've had more people stab you in the back than me, I want to buy you lunch and pay your mortgage off. If you've had more people stab you in the back than me, I, I want to buy you a new car. Listen, I, I've had more people stab me in the back than you could imagine. And, and I understand that it hurts. And I understand it throws you for a loop. Listen, and tell about the 7,900. It took 7,911 times for me. After 7,911 people that I thought I could count on stabbed me in the back. After 7,911 people lied on me. After 7,911 people did me wrong. I stopped being distraught about it and I stopped worrying about it. And I realized it don't matter how many of these folk uh, do, do me wrong. The Lord is going to take care of me. I wish I had five people that understood the holy word of God this morning. Verse 11, he said, teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me. Why would he say, teach me your way? Because we're stuck on our way. We only know our way. And our way is wrong. Our way is bad. We've been bad. We've been false programmed. We got stinking thinking. We've been programmed to think the worst about stuff. And, and the psalmist says, he said, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Don't focus on your enemies. Focus on what God wants to do in your life. Verse 12, he said, do not, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me 
and such as breathe out violence. He said, God, don't, don't deliver me to the will of my adversaries. Why? Because they want me to hate them as much as they hate me. They want me to fight nasty with them as much as they fight nasty with me. They want me to be as rude to them as they are to me. Listen, don't get into the will of your adversary. Don't get into the will of your oppressor. Don't get into the will of your, the people lying, pouring out haterade on you. Don't, 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 don't fall into their trap because you cannot overcome hate with hate. You can only overcome hate with love. And God said to love your enemies and do good to those who hate you and use you. Verse 13, he said, I would have lost heart. Come. That right there is a place where every human being that's been saved for more than three minutes ought to be able to relate to. Man, I would have lost heart. If I lost heart, if, if, I, if I'd have been counting on the pastor to be perfect, I'd have just lost heart. If I was counting on all the deacons to be out, all that, I'd have lost heart. If I was counting on people to come through, I'd have lost heart. If I was counting on my own ability, I'd have lost heart. If I was counting on the government, Mm, I'd have lost heart. If I was counting on either one of these people running for president, I'd have lost heart. If I was counting on the, the Democrats or the Republicans or the Independents, I'd have lost heart. If, I, if I, my only hope was in America, I would have lost. He said, I'd have lost heart. After all I've been through, I would have lost heart. After all I went through, I would have lost heart. Well, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I come close, I'm going to close this message by telling you this. This has been my battle cry for 39 years of Christianity. This has been my battle cry for 19 years pastor in this church. This has been my battle cry, my belief, and my strong determination. I believe it with every ounce of fiber that is in my being. I know that I know that I am going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm not going to have to get to heaven to see God do something great. I've already seen God do great things. And I'm believing God for more great things. You need to get in your mindset. I'm going to press through and I'm going to press on. I'm going to hold on to God and God is going to hold on to me and I'm going to see good things. I'm going to see brighter days. I'm going to see better days. I'm going to see God shine more and I'm going to see God use me more. He said, I'd have just gave up. But I had this belief, what? I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If you're one of those Christians that have fallen into the trap, well, Rev, I'm just holding on. Just waiting on the Lord to come back. I wouldn't give you a nickel for that salvation. You ought to be like, man, I'm excited. About what? Looks like life's rough. Life's horrible right now for me, Pastor Scott. I'm going through hell by the acre. Everything's upside down and backwards, and everybody hates me, and I'm broke as a joke, and I can't pay my bills. But I believe that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land. I still have confidence that my God has a plan for me. Oh, it's a word of encouragement to anybody who truly believes in it. Verse 14, the last verse says, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. I told you many times, wait does not mean sit down and do nothing. We see wait when we see people that are waiters. They're attentive. They're serving. It means to wrap yourself up in servitude to this God. When you wait on somebody, can I get you something else, Mr. C? Can, can, I, can I fill your drink? Would you like some more bread? Do you need some butter with that, sir? Would, would you like some, some sugar and cream? It's waiting on God. 
Have you been waiting on him? Not, oh, I'm just sitting back to see what happens. No, that's not, that's not biblical waiting. That, that's just you being overthrown by the devil. We used to sing a song, standing on the promises of Christ my King. People not standing on much anymore. They're just sitting down for everything, laying down, doing nothing. You got to get busy serving God. He said, be of good courage. My closing word to you this morning is be of good courage. Be of good courage. Get your courage in God. The only kind of good courage there is is courage in God, not in man. The only good kind of courage there is biblically is by putting your hope and your faith and your trust in somebody bigger than you. And that somebody can only be God. Because here's the reality. When it says, be of good courage and when my, all my Bible students in the room, what I tell you and means? There's more. When the word says and, it means there's more. But you got to get through the first part to get to the more. You got to get, see, we want God to strengthen our heart. Oh, Lord, I need you. I need to feel you, God. I need you to touch me. I need you to strengthen me. I need you to come through for me. Listen, there's a prereq for all that. There's a prerequisite. There's something that precedes God coming through and strengthening your heart. You've got to be of a good courage. You've got to make a decision that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. You've got to put your mind right with God and say, listen, I'm going to be bold as a lion. I'm going to be courageous because I know the Lord my God is with me. I know that He is my light, the light of my life. He's my strength. There's nothing I need to be scared of. And when you get into your now moment that is when he shall strengthen your heart you want God to bring you strength you want God to step up for you and be more to you you want to get into your more season be of a good courage the only way to be of a good courage is to put your courage in the right place you might be courageous but it might not be good courage you might be bold but it might not be good courage God said be of good courage the kind of courage that's good is the kind that says, no matter what, God's got me. Do you know that? Is your, is your faith in God today? Or are you worrying? You say, well, Pastor, I'm not sure if my courage is a good courage. I'm not sure if I've got good courage. Let me, let me tell you how you know. If you stay up worrying, fearful, fretting, unsure, I just, I'm, just, I'm just a little uneasy right now. That's not good courage. Good courage says... If it all falls apart and they kill me, I'm going to heaven when I die. See, for the believer, there's no scenario that ends up bad for us. It's like Reverend Ike said, and I'm not advocating Reverend Ike or Tupac, but I will tell you what he said. Y'all don't remember Reverend Ike because y'all not that old. You remember Reverend Ike? Reverend Ike, big, long, white fur coat, big, giant, pink Cadillacs, money in both pockets, waving cash at people. Original prosperity. Reverend Ike said, I can't lose with what I use. Listen, you got to get to the place where you understand I can't lose in God. I can't lose when my hope is built on Jesus. I can't be beat by nobody when God is my strength. It doesn't matter what the score is right now. Thank God we're getting some sports back. But listen, some of y'all get upset when your team is losing. If you know that you're on team Jesus, it doesn't matter what the first quarter score is. It doesn't matter what the second quarter score is. It doesn't matter what the third or fourth quarter score is. If you are on team Jesus, you need to understand could look bad now 
But I'm on Team Jesus. We're going to win. We're going to win no matter what. Even if you haven't read the whole book and gotten to the end, let me give you the end and I'm done. We win. Isn't that right? We win. Now, I want you to realize something. Because, see, me, me and Kyronda, we, we, we got a closeness. Not only do we love the same God, not only do we serve God in the same church, not, not only have we, have we shared prayer requests with each other and loved on each other in, 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 as brothers and sisters in Christ, but we lost a spouse who loved Jesus as much as we do. And what did she say? This coming out of the mouth of a widow. Man, I, I cleaned out some voicemail. I took this new job. And I got my phone ringing off the hook for, for, for business. And my voicemail got to be 92%. I couldn't let it get full because I, I got to be able to get these messages in. And I cleaned out over 300 voicemails this week out of my messages. But I saved three of them. I saved three of them from my brother David Thomas. I saved three of them from your husband. And I can't, I can't, I can't clear them out because he's my friend and I love him. I can't clear them out. Because I heard his voice and I and I just rejoiced knowing that he's in heaven. I just re- I listened to those three voice messages and I said it before. I said it when it happened. Everybody in the history of this church that calls me and it, and listen, don't call me this week because you'll be bogus. I don't want you to call me this week. But it was my testimony then. It's still my testimony today. When people call me on my phone from this church, they are not calling me the way David Thomas called me. They are calling me because they need something. They're calling me because they got a, something they need to tell me. They're calling me because they want me to do something for them or they want to borrow something from the church. This brother called me, and he'd, he'd get my answer machine, and he didn't say, well, I can't ever get through to you. I always get you in. He said, Pastor Scott, I don't need nothing, my brother. I'm, I'm just calling to tell you that I love you. You are my brother, and I love you, and I'm praying. And he just encouraged. And listen, this brother had a gift of encouragement. And if I live to be 3,009, I'm going to have those voicemail messages on me. And the heart of a woman who's been through the same pain that I've been through, loving on her child right now, hurting in her heart right now, what did she say about us? What did she say her courage is in? Listen to me. Listen to your sister in Christ. We win. Listen, David Thomas already won. My wife already won. You mamas and grandmamas, some of them already won. But I'm going to tell you what, you get your mind right in God, you can get on Team Jesus, and you can know we win. Stop being fearful about life. Yeah, things hurt. Yeah, there's hardship. There's struggle. There's loss. There's pain. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. But I can tell you through it all, he's been faithful. I can tell you through it all, and when everybody turns their back on me, God is still there to be my strength. When I hurt so much, I can't pick my own head up. He holds me. Learn how to hold on to God and let God hold on to you. If you're here and you're not saved, you don't have to walk this aisle today. You don't have to pray with me. You don't even have to talk to me. God said if you'll believe, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If if you're not saved today, call on God let him save you. Get on Team Jesus. Because if you're on Team Jesus, what'd you say, girl? We win. Pray with me. God, thank you for always winning. Thank you for always causing us to triumph in Christ. Thank you for giving us the victory, God. I pray that you would fill us with an encouragement today, God. I pray that you would fill us with a reminding hope that says that we 
win. I pray that you would fill us with a reminding hope that says, doesn't matter, come what may, the Lord is on our side. I pray that you would not let it just be words to us, God, but it'd be life to us, that you are our hope, you are our salvation, you are the strength of our life. God, strengthen us when we're weak. Lift us up when we are down. Thank you for being a real God, a right now God. Help us to walk in our now moment, God. I pray that you'd give us a good courage, a courage that says our faith is in you, a courage that says the economy don't matter as much as God matters, a courage that says the election don't matter as much as God matters, a courage that says the color of my skin don't matter as much as God matters, a courage that says my bank account don't matter as much as God matters. Give us a good courage, God, so that we can know that you are on our side and we have nothing to fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at alcfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.